All right, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? All right. Um, before we get started, Donald, can you throw that uh, Zyger picture back up there real quick? I saw something in there. If you guys look in the middle, there's a green box that says Cheetos. That is Cheetos mac and cheese. I don't know if a nutritionist would recommend it, but man, that is good stuff, right? So, so if you see that at Costco or something, yes, the kids will, the kids will love you for it. That's all. I, I just saw that. It just got me like, oh, that's, that's delicious. All right. I'm super excited to be here with you this morning. Um, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 2. If you're online, uh, welcome. Thank you for joining us online today. And we're going to continue our series on the, the heart of Christmas. And um, before we dive into the passage, I wanted to give you all a very exciting update. Uh, last week, we received the harvest offering. And uh, this offering, if you didn't have a chance to give to it, you still can give. In the back by the tithe box, there's two sets of envelopes. One of the envelopes has a big uh, sticker on it that says harvest offering. So if you still would like to give to the harvest offering, make sure you use one of these envelopes or on your check or whatever you want to put in a tithe box, make sure it's labeled harvest offering. Um, if you want to give to it, it's a general offering, there's a, another envelope back there that just doesn't have this harvest sticker on it. Make sure and use those ones. But we received this offering, and I, I love receiving this each year because of the, the possibilities we get from what, what God allows us and equips us to do. So I thought I'd give you um, a total so far. So our first week of receiving the harvest offering, you guys have given $10,448. And that is something that is so exciting. So, and I know that, um, I know that there, there's more to come, and whatever is given here, God will multiply and use and bless. So I'm super excited to share that with you, and just thank you so much for your generosity as we, uh, as we sacrifice and, and offer this up for our community and our world with our missions and things. So today, we're, we're going to continue our, our series in the heart of Christmas, and last week we talked about hope. And I, I hope that, that you, were, you got a good word from that and just, you looked at, found some hope in the Christmas season. Uh, today, I was sharing with, um, with uh, some, some friends of mine that today's message, I, I, I try to map my series out way ahead of time so the worship team kind of knows where I'm going and, and uh, we can all pray together for what the direction God's leading us. So, so this message has been on my calendar for a while. I didn't write it a long time ago, but I knew like, this is what I was going to talk about today. And um, I really feel like this week... God spoke to me as I was writing this. Um, there, there was a lot of just things that were going on in my life. And so, so as I was writing this, I was like, you know what, God, I really don't like being the, the one that you're convicting as I'm trying to talk to the church. But, but I really felt, I, I felt an overwhelming sense of peace come over me as I was putting this together. And, and my hope and prayer for us today is that as we, as we talk about peace this morning for the Christmas season, is that we all get a deeper and better understanding of how God's peace works, not just in Scripture in the Old Testament, but how it really works through us today. And hopefully, in the midst of what can be a crazy season, we really get a sense of God's peace. So would you pray with me as we welcome God in this morning and dive into his word? <clears throat> God, I thank you so much for your peace. I thank you that, uh, that you give us your word that is living and active and applicable every day. God, um, I pray that as we, as we dive in today and we talk about the Christmas season, you allow your peace to flow through us, God. You allow, you allow anxiety and turmoil to, to, to take a step back, a backseat to what you're doing in our, in our hearts and in the world. So God, we thank you, we love you, and I ask today that you just let your word shine brighter than ever. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So how many of you guys have tri uh, Christmas traditions? Right? I, I feel like those are things that families talk about all the time. What, what does your family do at Christmas? And I know that growing up, we have lots of traditions. Um, when I was younger, we would all wake up, and we, our bedrooms were downstairs, and the living room was upstairs. My parents would tell us we were not allowed to come upstairs until they were ready. 
And so a Christmas tradition, we would all pile into one bed together. You know how big my family is, right? But we would all just cram together and we would just have fun, you know, just goofing off until we were allowed to come upstairs. And that was one of our traditions. Um, another tradition that, um, that we did as a kid, and we actually do this one in our house now, is my wife and I have a tradition of we get each other Christmas ornaments each year. Sometimes they're a surprise on Christmas. Sometimes we get them ahead of time knowing this is going to be our new ornament for the year. But we get an ornament every year. And, and we try to keep it something that, that's applicable to an event of that year. Um, one year, we, we went to Mexico for our anniversary, and Stephanie got me a taco Christmas ornament. And so, so we, we have a lot of fun with these. And um, if we were in Disneyland, we'd get a Disney ornament. Just If we were traveling somewhere special that year, we'd get an ornament that just reminded us of our vacation that we took, or just a significant event in our life. We would get an ornament that reflects that. And so every year as we're putting up our Christmas ornaments, there's like a memory tied with every single ornament that goes on the tree. Now, I can look at our Christmas tree and about, like I said, every ornament, I know the story. I know when we got it, where we got it, sometimes because there's a date on the bottom, so if we forgot, it's there. But, but they, they, they spark special moments for me. And one of my favorite ornaments, though, was one that it wasn't mine as a kid, but I loved it as a kid. And then when I moved out, my parents gave it to me. Um, I know it, it's, it's funny. My, my wife makes fun of me for this ornament, but, but I love this thing. It's an old ornament of the city of Bethlehem. And it doesn't look crazy special, but there's a hole in the top of it. And when you put it on the tree, it just looks like the backdrop of the city of Bethlehem, but you can take a Christmas light and put it in the hole in the top, and then it looks like the star shining down on the city of Bethlehem. I love this ornament, and I get made fun of this ornament for every year because it doesn't match the sports and Disney and all, all the crazy stuff. It's this simple city of Bethlehem, but, but I love this ornament. And the, the, the light illuminates the rest of the city. And at night, when, when all the lights are off and you have the lights on the tree, that one ornament, I know where I, where I put it on the tree each year, I can see it. And for me, it brings me a sense of peace. I, I'm brought back to that night in Bethlehem, that star that was letting the world know what had just happened. And, and there's a peace that, that can be so forgotten sometimes, right? Even, even when you look around the house, you, you see all the Christmas decorations. And, and I joke about our house. Sometimes you walk in, it looks like Christmas just barfed all over our house because there's a lot of Christmas stuff. And we love it. We have lots of Christmas stuff, and I absolutely love what, all the decorations. But at the same time, it can be overwhelming And when you get to the season that's filled with shopping, the season that's filled with assembling presents at midnight to, to get under the tree. Sometimes there can be family drama that's brought into the fold. It can just be a lot. Christmas can be a lot. And then sometimes we just need to come back to the simplicity of what are we really celebrating today? What is this season really all about? And we get to realize this is the reason Jesus came. Not all the stuff, but the simplicity of his message of love, peace, hope, and joy. This is what we celebrate. This is what the season really comes down to. Much deeper than what the world offers. Jesus offers us something so much greater. <clears throat> and, and the reason for Jesus' birth, it's, he has this desire to see us come back to him, this desire for, for us to not worry about the things of the world, but to care for what he cares for, to care for him, his, his children, our neighbors. He, there's this internal broken conflict we can have without him, and he wants that to be restored and at peace. In, in the beginning, when, when Adam and Eve were created, they walked in the garden. You know what they were surrounded with? Beauty and peace. There was no war. It, it was perfect. They had this peaceful walk, this amazing walk with God, and they got to do it every single day. 
But then sin entered the equation. And when sin entered in, now there's this rebellion of humanity in the fold. You know, as, as people, we say, we know what's right, you don't. And we don't just say that to God, we say that to each other all the time. You're not the boss of me, I know what's best, don't tell me what to do. We start doing these things. But so often it's easy to, to miss the fact that when we sin, we're like saying those things to God. I can do this on my own, I know what's best for me, I'm gonna do this my way. <clears throat> sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally, but that's the message we send. So there's this, this conflict now, right? And there's a lack of peace when there's conflict. But the, the beauty of scripture is that in the midst of the, the chaos, in the midst of the madness and the unfolding of, of the story of humanity that we read about, or the, the anxiety and angst we experience today, everything in the Old Testament, when you read what they go through, it all points towards Jesus. And then Jesus comes, and then what happens after Jesus <clears throat> ascends into heaven, after his death and resurrection, everything post-Jesus points back to Jesus. So we have Jesus at the center, and what Jesus ultimately offers, and we're going to read about it, the very first thing that's declared is it all points to him bringing peace to the earth. Peace on earth. And as we talked about last week, Israel, at this time in the Christmas story, man, they are in need of peace. They've gone through bad kings. They're under Roman rule. They've had a rough time, and they are in need of a divine intervention now to bring them back to the peace that was created in the garden, the peace where they could walk with God and say, we just the world doesn't matter. You matter. We need more of you and less of our conflict. Little did they know that this path was beginning, and it was going to begin with the birth of their king that had finally come. It was happening. The Christmas story in the Bible begins with this odd group of people, right? So we, we have the first announcement, the, the arrival of Jesus, and you know who was told first that this is happening? We have the shepherds. If you don't know much about shepherds, we're going to talk about them today, and we'll read this passage, but, um, but the shepherds are the first to be told about Jesus, and I think this is incredibly important for us to understand. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, I, I, I love this because I, I love learning more about shepherds. And shepherds in first century Israel, this was, this was not the, the prime job. This was not the show. This was not what you aspired to be in your life. What are you going to do for the rest of your life? I'm going to watch sheep. I'm going to eat with sheep. I'm going to sleep next to the sheep. That's my job. That is my passion. That was not what people aspired to be. Right? They, they, were, they were individuals who existed on the fringe of society. They were kind of the social, the social outcasts. They were stinky. They were dirty. They were made fun of. They were untrustworthy people, kind of shady guys, these shepherds. But, but this is who's appeared to first. Guys who lived on their own for months, literally living with their animals. This is not fun. It would have been shocking for the first readers of the book of Luke when, when, they, when they find this passage now getting passed out, here's how it happened, for them to look at this and go, really? The shepherds? They're the ones who got the word first? What, what about the people who were, who were uh, high in society, the people who could have declared this to the whole world, made a royal decree? It is happening. It didn't happen to them. It came to the shepherds. 
this is, this is super important for us to, to understand because from the very get-go, the first time Jesus is announced, we see a point being made. We see a point that the peace of God is for all people. From the get-go, Jesus, God is saying Jesus is for everyone, not just the highest people. We're going to start at the bottom and word will get to the top, but we're going to make sure that everyone at the bottom knows he's here for you. You're not left behind. You're not forgotten. They, the angels had to steady the shepherds by telling them, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This is really, really good news. And um, if you put yourself in those shepherds' positions, you'd probably be very afraid. A bunch of glowy guys in the, the sky, you know, all of a sudden appearing and singing. It'd be, a, it'd be something else, right? But they're told, don't be afraid. The message was good news because the one who was being born, this is what you've been waiting for. The Messiah is here. The past, the scriptures have talked about it. It is now happening. Jesus is here for you. And the angel said, here's where you go find him. But before they left on their search, the heavenly host spoke over them, said, peace to those whom God's favor rests. Jesus was offering peace right away. I love it. It was so needed at that time, so, so prominent. They were waiting for this message, and it was here. And what I love is that, that that message, peace on earth to whom his favor rests, this was not just something for the people of the time. This is something we can still believe in today. Jesus is here. He is in this room with us. He, he lives among us, and his peace is something we get to capture and hold on to every single day, not just for the moment of his birth, but for eternity. It is with us. When, when I was a youth pastor, we did an outreach event in the community where uh, my, my youth group got to go to a boys and girls club in Martinez, California. And th this club was designed for the Christmas event. They were going to be receiving a lot of gifts, and they needed help passing out gifts, wrapping gifts, giving food to uh, the families that came in. And when I signed up our youth group to, to volunteer at it, I got to meet with the, the boys and girls club coordinator, and it was really, really exciting. He said that you know, he was excited to have a, a church come partner with him, but there's one rule. We were not allowed to talk about Jesus or, or preach the message because this was a city-funded community event. And so a church could come, but we couldn't, we couldn't say, you know, hey, let me tell you about Jesus in this time. We, we could just come and we could help. But there were loopholes that he told me about. And I love that he goes, there's loopholes, whereas if someone asks you about why you're here, what you're doing, then you can offer up where you're from. It's so like, all right, so, so we told the kids, you know, I told my students, all right, we, we don't want to break any rules, but I do want you to feel the freedom if someone asks you why you're here, tell them about the church, why we're doing this, and, and try to have a good conversation with people. So, so we went, and we had a lot of fun. Uh, so seeing some of my, my, my youth students dress up goofy, pass out food to kids. What I didn't know is that they were actually busing in kids from other cities to come to this event. So it was much bigger than what we thought it was going to be. But we had this event to serve, or this chance to serve. And, and we're serving, and he did tell us we were allowed to say, God bless you. And that could be the extent of our initiation of a conversation. And so the students would say that, you know, you know hey, Merry Christmas, God bless you. We're passing out gifts to people. And for many people, this phrase fell upon ears that, that didn't seem to want to hear it. They just didn't care. They're like, okay, thanks. And it went on, but, but they were having fun with it. But for some families, it sparked a conversation. And some families were able to say, oh, do you go to a church around here? Why are you guys here doing this? Where are you from? And so my students, I, to, to be able to see them start to, to share about what God is doing in their hearts was really, really cool and really, really exciting. But one of those conversations I remember one of my students having with someone, there was just a kid, just a kid who said, my mom and dad are going through a hard time. I don't know if I'll see my dad anymore. I just don't, I don't know what to do this season. And one of my students said, hey, I want you to know that in the midst of all this, I know that I have Jesus in my life. You can have him too. 
Jesus is just as much for me as he is for you, and he'll fill any gap that you're feeling. And just to be able to see one of my students be able to convey that to somebody was, it, it, it made me like the, the proud pastor. Like, I was like, yeah, it's my student! But at the same time, it was, it was touching and warm, and, and I was just like, this is so important. He, he delivered, I don't know if he intended to do it, but he delivered such an important message to that kid that no matter who you are in life, no matter where you are, the, the kids that came in who have the families where everything is great, Jesus is for them, but the kids who are coming in with brokenness and not knowing what to do, Jesus is just as much for them. And that was conveyed, and it was so cool to see. And that's something I think we need to make sure we, we convey in this season to people, that yes, Christmas is about Christ, and not just Christ for me and my family, for all people. He was born for all people. Can you imagine if you were planning a vacation at home and you have a conversation like this? Like, um, if we were to go to, to our kids, I would say, like, Aurora, Avery, we're going to Disneyland. They're like, the, yes, we're going to go. It's like, it's going to be great. We're going to be there for, you know, the three, four, five days. Don't hit, but we're going to go. And we're going to go on all the rides and eat all the food and take pictures with Mickey and Minnie. It's going to be so fun. We'll see you when we get home. Right? Imagine how that would come off, right? We're like, whoa. Whoa, I, I could already hear the cries of protest and the disappointment and the, you're doing what? Now, full disclaimer, I didn't convey the message that way, but we have done that before. We have gone without the kids. And um, I, I fully endorse going on vacation, you know, husbands, wives, go, go on vacation without your kids sometimes. It's great. Um, but imagine hyping it up like that, saying, this is so good, it's so wonderful, hey, and I'll just tell you about it when I get back. That, man, that would be, that's, that's a heartbreaker. You can already see Aurora glaring at me, right? Now, Flip the conversation. Have the same conversation with a different message at the end. Same thing. We're going to go to Disneyland. We're going to go on this vacation. Or if you, if you think about Disneyland and that's not for you, you have anxiety, think about it. Whatever your dream spot would be, just plug that in. But we're going to go and it's going to be great. We're going to do this. We're going to eat the food and see the sights and we're going to have fun. And then instead of saying, we'll tell you about it, say, and you're coming with me. How much does that change the dynamic? Just that one line at the end of everything that's about to unfold, Right? When, when we convey the message of Christ to people, we get to have that same ending to that story. He offers me this, he offers me this, he's done this for me, and he gives that to you too. It's not just a me thing, it's a us thing. He does this for all of us. All the, all the crazy fun that we're about to have, he wants you in on this. We get to have this, this amazing experience and we get to share it with people. Invite them into something that is greater than anything we could ever do. Imagine the best planned vacation you could ever go on and it's all expenses paid. Jesus hit the bill. He paid for it. He did it. He offers it for free. It's, it's our job to say, all right, I get to take this and unwrap it and receive it. It's for the rich, the poor, the left, the right, the male, the female, everyone. Jesus was born and came for the whole earth, not just a small portion of it. John 3.17, maybe the, the forgotten verse after John 3.16. John 3.17 says this, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. I love that. The whole world and nothing less. That's what Jesus wants. And in one survey, nearly one-third of those questioned about the Christmas story said, Who do you most identify with? They said, The shepherds. Why did they identify with the shepherds? Because some point in their life, they experienced what the shepherds may have experienced, being forgotten about, being solitary, being alone, being an average, ordinary person, but yet they were invited to see the king of kings and his birth. And, and I, I still find that so amazing. The birth wasn't given to the highest of kings. It wasn't given to the royalty. It was given to the shepherds, the forgotten, the poor, the outcasts. 
revealed to the lowest of lows, with dirty, reduced, and avoided jobs, that's who Jesus came to first. And then they were invited to see the most amazing thing in history happen. And, and the, the truth is, this is truly good news, because if it's offered to the lows, it's offered to the highs. It's available to us as well. This, this is the world's greatest need. From the time sin entered the world, we, we've been in this rebellion struggle with God. We've been this, this spot where, where we think we can do it on our own, and it's affected all creation. The, the, the Bible says that, that when we're at rebellion with something, you're, you're essentially at, at, at odds or an enemy of, and Jesus came to make sure we weren't in rebellion anymore. He came to offer reconciliation for our mistakes so we would be at peace for him. This is why Jesus' birth is such good news. It's the ultimate answer to the brokenness that exists because of our sin, because of our actions and what we have done to separate ourselves from God. Jesus comes and brings it back. Paul wrote this to the church in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verses 19 to 22. He says this, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, and free from accusation. I think to, to understand what this peace really means is to understand that although Jesus arrived in a cradle, his life would not be full of peace. His life would be full of turmoil that led to a cross, but his his war that he waged on sin, his defeating sin, his journey that was not peaceful was brought to usher us peace. He lived through it so we could, we could receive the peace he offers. He intentionally lived that sinless life, willingly offered his life through crucifixion, and his sacrifice paid for the sins that we committed. But what it does is it destroys the power of evil, destroys all control and power over sin so that we can have peace over him, peace with him over every area in our lives. What we also learn from this is that the peace of Jesus, it reconciles us to God. So when we receive this gift of peace, we receive this gift of forgiveness that's offered to us by faith, we become friends with God, right? He offers this power to, for us to help navigate the difficulties of our life. And, and some people may believe that, that when you made, are made right with God, that you'll never face any problems ever again. That's something I always made sure to, to tell, tell my students when I was a youth pastor. Don't, go, don't tell your friends, hey, you have problems in life? Come to Jesus. He'll solve every one of them. You'll never have a problem the rest of your days. Don't, don't tell people that because peace doesn't mean you're going to have a life free of problems. Uh, pastor and speaker Dr. Tony Evans says it like this. Peace does not mean you won't have any problems. Peace means that your problems won't have you. Peace means that your problems won't have you. I, the, the, the peace that, that God offers us on who, that says the peace offered to those from whom God's favors rest does not equate to the absence of all conflict. You're going to have conflict. Scripture says that. In this world, you will have trouble. It will happen. It's unavoidable. You will come across things in life where you feel like you don't have peace or things are getting out of hand. It will happen. You'll have circumstances that don't go your way, challenging uh, situations. Life stinks sometimes. Sometimes things out of your control. You could be doing everything right and out of left field, something can happen that was not in your control, but it disrupts your peace. It disrupts your life and you have to deal with it. You have to work with it. What God does promise is the presence of him in our lives. And when he's with us, there's nothing we should fear because he's in charge and he's bigger than all those things that can disrupt our peace. We can go with him for guidance, for strength. We can lean on him when we get weary. We can know that he promises to bind up our wounds when we're hurt because he's there with you every single step of the way. 
His desire, though, is for us to, to make peace with the situations, make peace with ourselves, knowing that, that every past struggle or warrior future is met with the love of God, and that can offer you peace. And knowing that, that when God offers us peace, and then in turn, we then get to offer that to others. We get to offer forgiveness to other people, the same forgiveness God gives us. When we recognize the grace that God gives us, we're then able to take that grace and offer it to other people. And what we're doing is we're spreading this message of love, hope, joy, and peace when we do that. And as we get closer to Christmas Day, we move to the season that is well known as Advent. And in Advent, we talk about those words, love, joy, peace, and hope. And Advent comes from the Latin word meaning arrival. So Jesus' first coming, we celebrate Advent, right? The, the Advent, the arrival of Jesus. But when we celebrate Advent, we're not just celebrating the arrival of him then, we're also proclaiming he will arrive again. He is coming back. And, and this, this, when we do this, when we really understand what it means for Jesus to come, we can really let his peace wash over us and his understanding and his grace flow through us. And we understand then at that point, it can calm our fears. It can steady our hearts. And at Christmas time, we remember it's not just celebrating the birth of Jesus all those years ago, it's celebrating that he will come again. Not as a baby, but as that king, triumphant in victory. Understand that, that peace comes in, in different ways. Peace will come in these three ways, I believe. It'll be eternal, emotional, and external. Man, who doesn't need some emotional peace these days, right? We, 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 I think it's just the angst and anxiety that, that can build up. Uh, we need to be able to reconcile this and understand how God can give it to us. But I think one of the most important types of peace is that external peace. Because what I mean by that is peace with God. When, when we know Jesus, we can experience this, this external peace because of what he started in the manger and finished at the cross. The Bible says this in Acts chapter 10, verse 36. The word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. I think that the first and greatest peace that we need to have in our lives, if we're going to be able to experience peace in the world or peace with our friends and our family, the peace we need to understand and reconcile first is having peace with God. You see, see when, when we sin, what that does is that creates this, this separation from God. But, but when we come to Jesus, when, when we understand what, what our sin had done all the way back in the Garden of Eden and what it still does to this day, we understand that our sin and, and God's peace and, and God's holiness, they, they can't coexist. God is holy and perfect, so he can't be a part of the sin, so his solution was to create peace and reconcile and destroy that sin so, he, so the conflict could end. That's the reason God sent Jesus, to bring back this restoration. When we believe in God, we accept him as Lord, that's what happens. Then we are now sent declaring we are at peace with God. We're at peace. We're, we're on his side. This This eternal peace with the creator is the greatest gift that we can receive this season. It's available to us all, but I believe it's up to us to unwrap it, to embrace it, to, to receive it, and then live it. And when I talk about emotional peace, I mean uh, peace within. This is something I think that we're all hunting for during not just the holidays, but so many times in life. Uh, uh, there was a story of a lady who told her friend, my therapist told me to achieve true inner peace is to finish what I start. So today I have finished two bags of chips and a chocolate cake. I feel better already. <laughs> Internal peace, right? Fortunately, God know, he knows the, rest, the, the unrest that we have in ourselves. He, he made you. He made me. He knows our deepest thoughts. He knows what's going to cause anxiety. He knows what's going to cause angst. He knows that before you get up and go to work or go to school, he knows what you're going to experience that day that will start to cause turmoil in your life. I was asking uh, one of the students uh, recently, I said, hey, what's going on? And um, they said, finals. 
got finals and midterms. I remember finals and midterms. I remember the, the studying. I remember the walking into class and the teachers getting ready to pass out those papers and just the, your, your heart beating fast. And I also remember being one of the, the students who the teacher would say, when you're done, stand up and turn it in. I didn't want to stand up first. You ever get to that point? You finish your test, you're like, okay, look around. Okay, you go back to it, and it just starts to cause this anxiety, right? God knows those moments before you do. He knows what's going what's gonna to push your buttons, and he offers in those moments to say, hey, you're at peace with me. I can give you peace in all these things, too. Trust in me. He knows your need for peace within. He knows the broken world that surrounds us. He knows the unrest that clamors and works against us every single day. Paul said that God gives us peace that surpasses all understanding. What a beautiful promise that is. That, I, that is one of my go-to verses all the time for things, that God give the peace that surpasses all understanding. When I pray for people, that verse comes back to me. It's, it's such a powerful thing. And, and look at that phrase. It transcends all understanding. You know what that means, really, when we think about it? It means that peace doesn't make sense. It means that in a time where things are getting so bad and it just, you're so worked up for whatever it is you're going through, there is no reason you should be able to sit back and say, I'm okay. That's what this is, peace that transcends all understanding. It calms you down when what's going around you is not conducive to peace. It shows itself so strongly in circumstances where it doesn't make sense. A tragedy or an illness or a conflict or, or you, the, the recipient of news that someone you love is going through something so painful and so hard, there's no reason you should be at peace. But that's what God offers. It transcends all understanding. No, bad, no matter how bad it is, no matter where you are, he gives it to you anyways. I know that um, I, I shared that this, this week, God's really been working in my heart. I, I got hit a little bit this week with some, some relational turmoil in my life. And, and to, to, sell, to say I lost sleep over it is an understatement. It's, it's really rocked me in a way. And I, I've called some, some pastor friends of mine, like, hey, how have you, you've been pastors for a lot longer than I have. How do you reconcile kind of dealing with these emotions and these situations? And I've gotten some great advice. And um, I, I'm not knocking the advice, but even after I talked to him, I still didn't sleep the net that night. I was like, oh man, so what am I supposed to do? And then I start writing this message about peace. And it was like God going, Dustin, hello, <laughs> look at this. Look at what you're about to tell everyone and then look at your own life. And I had to realize, you know what? God, I need that peace. I, I need right now to understand that in this situation where it doesn't make sense for me, where I, I just don't, I'm, I'm confused and, and I have so many questions, to be able to look at God and say, all right, God, you're bigger than this. You're bigger than me. You're bigger than all the stuff I'm going through. I just need your peace. And after I reconciled that with him, I slept really good. And it didn't make sense. It shouldn't make sense because the, the, the conflict is, is still happening. There's still some stuff to work out. But I was able to sleep because I knew God's in control. And it was such a great thing to have God's peace come over me. That was causing anxiety. But so, so what's causing anxiety for you this Christmas? This season, what, what in life now is coming to you when you say, man, this is, this is hurting. I don't know how to reconcile this. My first question would be, have you taken it to the Lord in prayer? I'm guilty of not praying about things first. There, there, there are times when I do, and then there's times where I don't. I, I step in to try and fix, or what can I say? What can I do? And it's always the same story. When it comes back to that point where I say, God, i got to lay this at your feet. I've got to bring this to you. That's when things start to work out, and things start to get reconciled, and I start to feel this, this comfort because God is saying, we've got this. Thank you for bringing it to me. Let's work on this together. This is not just a message for, for me saying this to you, bring it to God. It's a message for me as well. I've got to bring my stuff to God. Drawing near to him, asking him for peace, it is so refreshing. 
It is so refreshing. And then to know that we can share our peace with others, that makes it a very external and outgoing peace for those around us. And that's what the external peace is, being at peace with other people. That's probably one of the hardest things. I think easy we can say, yep, I'm at peace with God. I'm at peace with the situation, but that guy did me dirty and I don't want to talk to him anymore. You, you, start, you start getting those anxiety or the, those feelings towards other people. You don't want to make peace with people sometimes. They, they deserve what's coming to them. You, 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 you want something, you want them to get theirs, but, but external peace is having peace with those around you as well. Knowing that God tells us to be at peace, to live at peace, to work with others and love others. It's a whole, other, it's a whole new ballgame experiencing peace with those around you. And one of my favorite things uh, this season, I know that I love that in, in December we do this and worship to start church. We sing Christmas carols. I love it. There's, for me, and I know not everybody likes Christmas carols, but I, I love them because the, the message that they, they bring, the joy and the hope and the peace that they bring. I personally, when Christmas music is playing, it is peaceful and calming to me. I love it. Even if you're playing a rocked out version of a Christmas song, I just the message gets to me. I love it. We know that, I, I do know that not every song, though, will cure every ailment. Not every song will, will reconcile every feeling that you have. But, but I do, so simply singing a song won't solve all your problems. But situations that may be out of your control, it does help me get back on focus to who is in control. It does help me get back my focus on my, who am I trusting in? What am I relying on? Who am I really saying is going to get me through this season? And it gets me focused back on Jesus. There are some situations we can't change. There are some relationships that maybe are beyond our ability to repair. Chaos that we can't calm. Hurt in the world that, that we can't heal. Violence that we can't understand. But I know that God is bigger than all those things. And he's able to work in us and bring us to peace with those around us in these things as well. And so what do we do with the need for peace in our world? What do we do saying we, we, the, the world needs to know this peace of Jesus, the, the peace that Jesus offers, right? And again, I think this is where we recognize those two parts of the Advent season. Christmas, where we, we look and we say, you know what? I know he was born and we're remembering the birth of Christ. And then the second coming where we say we get to look forward to him coming back. The same angels who announced the, Christ, the birth of Christ, the same ones who, who appeared to the, the shepherds and said, Jesus is coming, he's here. You know what they got to do later? They got to tell everyone, hey, he's coming back. After Jesus went into heaven, those same angels came and said, hey, go start telling people because Jesus will be coming back. And then one day those angels get to come back with him and say, hey, we told you, he's here. He's here for us and it's gonna be a glorious day. The peace we long for in our world is a peace that is still coming because Jesus is still here and he is physically coming back. There's a peace today in Jesus and there will be complete peace yet in the world when he comes. This Christmas, allow Jesus to come to you. Allow his peace to fill your heart. Don't, don't, don't be, I love the story of Mary and Martha in scripture where, where Mary is at Jesus' feet and Martha's just going crazy with all the housework. Everything has to be ready. And she, comes, she says like, 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 Mary, I need you. We need to get this done. Jesus, please tell her to help me. And what does Jesus tell her? He says, she's where she needs to be. She's right here at my feet. She's where she needs to be. In the midst of our busy seasons, don't forget where we need to be. At the feet of Christ. What in, what in your life this season right now is something where you say, hey, this is causing me to lose focus, and I need to lay this at your feet. I need to bring it and just sit at your feet and say, Jesus, this doesn't make sense there's no reason I should be okay with what's going on, but I'm going to bring this to you and just let you overwhelm me with your peace. Let you work through it in me. 
it's okay to sit at Jesus' feet in the midst of the busy season. As a matter of fact, I recommend you start your season at Jesus' feet. But get there. Jesus is there. Find your peace with him. What the world needs is more people who have the peace of God in their hearts and the willingness to share that peace with other people. I think it's for us as Christ followers, this is, this is not a when you have time. This is not an optional thing. This is, this is something that we've got to do. We've got to share the peace of Jesus with other people. It's an expectation, I think, that he has for us as his followers. Matthew 5, 9 says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. They will be called the children of God. The angels told the shepherds that peace was available to everyone. Peace is here for the world. Jesus said something similar when he he stated that the peacemakers will be blessed. They will be called the children of God. When we're seeking reconciliation with others and, and we fight for harmony rather than, uh, rather than sowing dissension, we're identified with the heart of God. And how great is it when people get to see that more than anything else? More than, more than what we're doing, they see the heart behind it and that heart points them directly to Christ. We get to be recognized as children as his fam- in his family right in the heart of Christmas, right at the feet of Jesus. I'd like to invite the worship team up as we come to a close this morning. There are many people in life who don't value peace in their relationships. And when you don't value peace, you end up living in this state of conflict. And my prayer for all of us this season, this year, and moving forward, is that we don't live in a state of conflict. We don't live in a state of turmoil. We don't live in a state of anxiety. But we live in a state of knowing God is in control and he brings us that peace that we are so longing for. One of my favorite Christmas specials, um, I love Charlie Brown Christmas. I love watching it each year. And there's, there's, a, there's a moment where Linus says to Charlie Brown, he says, uh, Charlie Brown is having, you've, most of you, has anyone here not seen Charlie Brown Christmas, right? <laughs> Get your hand down. <laughs> but Charlie Brown Christmas is awesome. And, and you, know, you know Charlie Brown has the hardest time getting into the Christmas spirit. And he starts declaring, you know, what is Christmas all about? He just can't get a grasp on it. And Linus says this to Charlie Brown. It's a great line. He says, Charlie Brown, you're the only person I know who can take a wonderful season like Christmas and turn it into a problem. Unfortunately, though, that line is so true today. We, we can take the joy of Christmas, what the message really is, and turn it into problems because of the things going on in the world around us. But the outcome for people who believe in Christmas, believe in the story of Christ's birth, is hope, peace, joy, and love. Would you stand with me today? This Christmas, let's be people that embrace the gift offered to us through Jesus, who died so long ago for us, but it still stands through today, and he offers that for everyone here. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you uh, that that you offer this peace to us. And I pray that during this Advent season, this Christmas season, you never let us lose sight on what you offer for us, that nothing is too big, nothing is too crazy, nothing is is too out there that you don't have control of it. God, I pray for anyone going through a season right now where, where it wouldn't make sense to have peace. God, I pray you overwhelm them with your peace. You allow it. It doesn't make sense, but that's the beauty of your word, God. It doesn't always make sense, but it is perfect. So I pray today that we find peace in you, peace in your son, peace in Jesus' birth, and that we enjoy the season and we look forward to your return. We thank you, God, we love you, and everybody said, amen.